MVP favorites, finals contenders, and more. It's an NBA pod. The whole episode is going to be centered around the current state of the league as we're about approaching the halfway mark of the NBA season. It's a really fun episode on the talk show. Enjoy it. It's all coming up after a word from the NBA store. Today's episode is brought to you by the NBA store. Yeah, basketball season is in full swing. You got to gear up with your favorite NBA gear. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm going to go buy myself an Emmanuel Quickly jersey because he is the new savior. Where am I going to do that? I'm going to go to the NBA store. How do I do it? I go to podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot co slash NBA. Go there now. Get up to 75% off select items from the NBA store. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Today's a good day. I'm in a good mood. Pitchers and catchers are reporting, so it's officially the beginning of the baseball season. That's always fun. Another thing I have to look forward to today, the Knicks are going to be in Orlando playing for a chance to be 500. Yeah, the Knicks are really fun, and I'm not going to talk about baseball on this podcast. I'm going to be talking basketball, and trust me, I'm going to be talking Knicks, and I'll get to them a little later. But I want to talk NBA. This is a full-blown NBA podcast today, NBA episode. So here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what's up. Everyone likes to talk about in about mid-February, around this time, they start looking at the standings, start looking at playoff scenarios, start looking at who are the MVP favorites and all that stuff, other awards, all that's going on in the NBA. It's a really great time. I want to just point something out. Usually when we're at this point of the season, we're about 65% of the way into the season, maybe even 70% of the way into the season. Today, we're only about 40% into the NBA season. Now, everything started later. It's the COVID year. Everything's weird. Everything started a little bit later, and the season's only 10 games shorter. So I guess everyone's just going to talk about this stuff anyway because, you know, football ended. The Super Bowl is over. Pitchers and catchers reported today, but baseball doesn't really start. doesn't get going till April, May. So I guess this is what there is to talk about right now. So everyone's talking about all these things in the NBA. But I just want to point out that you can't take anything too seriously with what's happening so far in the NBA. There are some teams that look incredible. There are some teams that have underachieved. But right now, it's early. Teams are still finding their footing. But it's late enough that we could start talking about some of this trendy storylines in the NBA. So let's get going with that. Now, I held on to this podcast a little longer than I wanted to. I started a little bit later. And the reason was initially because I was waiting on Monday for the Monday night game, which saw the top team from the East playing the top team from the West. That's the Philadelphia 76ers and the Utah Jazz. Now, the Utah Jazz have been an incredible surprise this season. They have won more games in their last 20 games than 27 teams in the NBA have won all season long. So that's pretty impressive. They won 19 of their last 20 going into Monday night's game, which is extremely impressive. And watching the game, I was trying to figure out what they do well. And what they do well is it's a different guy every night. They start on defense with their defensive side. Everyone plays hard defense, and they have Rudy Gobert in the middle who just cleans everything up and is a rim protector like no other. On the offensive side, it's not all on Donovan Mitchell, whether it's Bogdanovich or the other night it was Jordan Clarkson going off. They always have guys who could just chip in a bunch of points. It's incredible what they've done this season. They're like the best offensive-rated team and the best defensive-rated team, and yet what is their ceiling? Now, on the other side, there was the Philadelphia 76ers. They didn't have Joel Embiid. But they're an incredible team also. And what they do defensively is very similar. Ben Simmons is an outstanding perimeter defender. He shuts down the best player on the perimeter. Tobias Harris has been playing great defense. And then Joel Embiid just cleans up everything in the middle. The offensive side of the ball, they do two things. And Daryl Morey was talking about this, actually, that they they kind of have two different offensive teams. They have the transition offensive team when 
early in the shot clock, they'll try and get down the floor quickly and have Ben Simmons create in transition while he's still got numbers. Something when he gets a full head of steam to the basket and he can either kick out or just get right to the rim and score, he's unstoppable. And we saw that he put up 40 points against Utah. And the other thing they do is if they get into the half court where Ben Simmons sometimes maybe struggles in the half court offense, they run the whole offense through Joel Embiid. They'll get him the ball in the low block or the top of the key and they'll just have him draw a double team and then either kick it or he could even shoot. He could be a trailer when they're running in transition and shoot a three. Tobias Harris, though, is the biggest X factor for me. He has played like a completely different player. He looks comfortable creating his own shot and getting his own shot on offense. He's been very solid on defense. And I think that's huge. If he could be that player, then that's incredible. What they also do, they kind of get Ben Simmons when they draw the double team with Joel Embiid. They get Ben Simmons cutting to the basket. And it's almost like they create a transition only in the half court. He gets numbers again. Now he can decide, do I go to the rim? Do I kick it out to a shooter? And that's been something they've done. And a lot of credit goes to Doc Rivers because while Daryl Morey is the incredible basketball mind and the genius of the game that we saw and the way he sees it and dissects it and just changes the game in new ways, he didn't change this roster at all since he got over here. Everyone thought about well, is he going to trade Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons is so not a Daryl Morey type player, but he's got he's found a way, and Doc Rivers really has found a way to use Ben Simmons in a way that fits the Daryl Morey system, that fits the Daryl Morey mindset and way of doing things. So that's been incredible for the Philadelphia 76ers. The question is, are these teams legit? And if you look at the teams in the NBA, there are a bunch of teams that you could have this question mark and attach this question mark to. There's a bunch of teams that we know are really good, but the way it works in the NBA is the contenders are only a very few teams. Even if teams look really good throughout the entire regular season, they're likely not going to be there when it comes to the NBA Finals or even the Conference Finals. We know the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nets and I guess one other Eastern Conference team are going to be there in the Conference Finals. That's pretty fair to say. The question is, what are these other team ceilings? And I'm talking about the Utah Jazz, the Philadelphia 76ers, Portland Trailblazers, Phoenix Suns, San Antonio Spurs, Milwaukee, and even Denver or Golden State, Boston. Those teams have looked incredible, but are they championship-level teams? And are they trying to become championship contenders? That's the interesting question. It's kind of something I've struggled with as an NBA fan. Since I've become an NBA fan, I've noticed that the teams that win the championship, you basically know that they're going to be in it or win it already in December. And that's something that the league kind of I felt like needed to change, but there's something different going on now. There's a different trend happening, and I noticed it in the bubble. There are so many good, fun, young teams that are really good. Maybe they're not going to win a championship, and you know they're not going to win a championship, but even the Miami Heat, they wrote it all the way to a finals appearance last year because they got hot in the bubble, and we see it the same thing happening this season. There's just tons of young, talented, fun teams that are fun to watch. Maybe they're not going to go anywhere, but New Orleans Pelicans, that was fun to watch that Pelicans game last night when they went up against John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, neither of those teams are great teams or high in the standings. They're about 500, but they're really fun teams. The question is, can these fun teams turn into championship contenders, and what do they need to become championship contenders? The biggest question mark, I think, is for the Portland Trailblazers. Now, the Portland Trailblazers are 17-10. and 10. They're one of the best teams in the league, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. But we've seen Damian Lillard for the past bunch of years. Is he underrated? Is he overrated? It's weird. He's one of the greatest clutch players of all time. If you look at stats, there are stats that track clutch points. And he is one of the leaders in that category of all time. He scores in the final minutes of games when the games are within five points. He's the king of scoring then. We see him, what he did last night. All of a sudden, they were down a bunch of points. Two, three minutes left in the game. He just went off. But at the same time, he shoots 
maybe 38%, 36% from three, which is not outstanding. He sometimes disappears in the offense when he's not playing in the final minutes of a game. And it's weird. It's weird for a player who can be that good and is that capable of being incredible to just disappear randomly. At the same time, Damian Lillard, he's not young anymore. It's not like when he first came into the league, he was a young guy. We didn't know what he would be. He was with LaMarcus Aldridge. They made it to a couple of playoff games. We all remember him hitting the three against the Houston Rockets in the playoffs to knock them out of the playoffs, that Dwight Howard Rockets team. That was crazy. And then he did the same thing in the playoffs against Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was in Arizona watching that game with my father. We saw that together. And it just felt like it was going to come down to Dame taking a big shot. And we've seen it so many times now. And yet, he's never made the finals. He's never been on what felt like a great team, although they've been incredible now with Nurkic and McCollum out. So maybe when he comes, when those guys come back, they can really contend for the finals this season. But at the same time, it's always what we say in the NBA. I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers are going to contend for the finals. I don't see anyone else beating those teams, even Portland. And Portland could go on a run. I don't see them going to the finals. And in the East, it's the same thing. I don't see anyone beating the Nets. Did you see what the Nets did last night with James Harden? Now, the Nets could be a mess at times. I think Kyrie Irving with his walking stick and saying, oh, James Harden is the point guard. I don't think that's functional. That's a facade of functionality saying, look, we're communicating so well. I'm calling him the point guard. That just means that Kyrie doesn't want to pass the ball. I'm just now I have an excuse that I don't have to pass. I could shoot more than I pass because James Harden is the point guard. I'm the shooting guard. I don't think that's functional. I think that that team, though, is just so ridiculously talented that they'll win. Phoenix had a 25 point lead in that game. And if it weren't for Chris Paul, not only would the Suns have lost, which they did, the Nets would have blown them out last night. Chris Paul kept them in the game with 11 straight points in the fourth quarter when it, it kept slipping away from them. Their offense was so stacked, and I was under, I didn't understand why they just weren't. They kept getting a switch to get a little guy on DeAndre Ayton. They should have just dumped it into him. They have a one, two-point lead. You just dump it into him, let him go to work. That offense looked so stagnant after putting up 75 points in the first half, and they looked incredible. I've said this about the Nets. The Nets are going to give up 120, 130 points every night. They gave up 124 last night. The question is, can they score more than that last night? They won 128 to 124. So that's what the Nets are going to do. That's what this team's going to be about. But they're going to make the finals like that. I don't think the Nets win that game, actually, weirdly, if they have Durant and Kyrie both in the game because I think their defense would have struggled so much. I think having guys like Landry Shamit out on the floor really helped them. Jeff Green played incredible defense, hit a couple big threes. But James Harden, that was my first... Wow, I loved watching that game moment of James Harden this season because I got to see James Harden go back to his Houston days, go back to where he's the only guy just surrounded by a bunch of shooters and he's making everything happen in a small ball scenario. It was really fun for me to watch. But now you throw KD and Kyrie into the mix and this team is virtually unstoppable. And we know that already. On offense, you can't stop them. They're going to put up 125 to 130 points a game. You just have to outscore them. And I don't think there's any team prolific enough that can outscore them. But maybe the Sixers can stop them. Maybe the Sixers have a good enough defense with the way they've been playing that they can hold them to 115 points. And the question will be, can the Sixers offense keep it up? Can Tobias Harris score 30 points a game? Can they get enough transition offense out of Ben Simmons? Can Embiid be healthy and just be incredible the way he's been, the MVP candidate he's been so far this season? Which brings me to my next topic, which is the MVP candidate. Anthony Davis got hurt the other night, and I think that seals it. The MVP will go to LeBron James. A lot of people thought coming into the season that LeBron would kind of take it back, take a step back. They just won the finals. It was only a couple months before the regular season started that they were in the bubble winning the finals. And they thought LeBron would take a step back, make it to the playoffs, and then turn it on. He's done quite the opposite. He's turned it on from go. He's been as prepared as he's ever been. Maybe in past seasons, he was kind of 
you know, warming up to the season. Whereas now he was already fully revved up because he's still coming off the bubble. He looked like he's ready to go for this season and he's had an incredible season. And now with Anthony Davis out, that'll only help LeBron win the MVP. Listen, if Anthony Davis out for is out for the whole regular season, I don't think that matters for the Lakers. They'll still make the playoffs. And if he comes back for the playoffs or a little bit before the playoffs, warms up and gets ready for the playoffs, they'll be in the finals again. If he's out for the finals, that's a different story. Then there's a lot of different teams that we could look at if he's out for the playoffs. But as far as the regular season is concerned, all it does is it seals the MVP for LeBron. You saw how good that team looked last night, even without Anthony Davis. And LeBron was totally running the show. He's going to do that every night. He's going to come out. He's going to put up 25 points, 27 points, 28 points. Some games even have 40. And he's going to drop close to a triple-double every single night. He should seal the MVP for himself. But there have been some other fun candidates. So let's talk about them for a minute. In Philadelphia, we have Joel Embiid. He's been incredible. He's been the guy that we've always wanted him to be. We know he's one of the most talented guys in the league. And when he buys in and wants to play when he's in shape, he is incredible. And he showed it this year. He's been running that offense. It's crazy. We have a big man who's running the offense. Another guy who's been fun is Luka Doncic. And I want to talk about Luka for a second. Luka is having a great statistical season. And yet, if you look at him, the team stinks. The team's not winning games. They're closing games. And he's hitting big shots. But they're not winning. There's something about Luka that's just been a little bit off this year. He's been complaining a lot to refs, been flailing and throwing his arms up, looking for fouls. I don't know what it is. It's not fun. It's not fun to watch. And I think he needs to rein it in a little bit. I know he's young. He's still learning. He's still learning the game, still learning the league, learning how things run. I want him to calm down and just enjoy playing the game. It kind of gets annoying that every time he drives to the basket, he's throwing his arms up looking for a foul. You know, also does that Trey Young. He played the Knicks the other night. He is officially my least favorite player in the NBA. He throws his arms up every time. He's not even looking to score or do anything. He's just trying to draw a foul. And he doesn't play any defense. He's, I don't know. Okay. And by the way, that Hawks team, they tried to put together a quasi super team. They're like, oh, we'll be well under the best teams in the East. That hasn't worked out for them at all. Another guy who's an MVP candidate is Steph Curry. I keep talking about the Steph Curry haters being gone. Steph Curry's putting up identical numbers to the numbers that he put up in his MVP season. And what's been so incredible and so impressive about Steph Curry has been his efficiency. How efficient has Steph Curry been this season? I mean, you look at the numbers, 13 for 19 shooting in a game, 7 of 11 from 3. If you're putting up 40 points and only taking 19 shots, that's insane. He's shooting about 60% on the season. For a guard who shoots about... 10 threes to 15 threes a game, and he's still shooting about 60-something percent on the season. That's insane. Now, Steph Curry's team is not winning a bunch of games either. They're only 500. I don't know what they do in the future. Maybe when Klay Thompson comes back, they're back in finals contention. Who knows? There are all these future teams that you wonder what they do. Ingram and Zion. We saw what Zion can do. Zion scored 31 points last night. He only took two shots outside of the restricted area. That's insane. I think the the NBA is in a very weird, good spot. The NBA is in a position where there are so many good, fun, young teams. But who knows if these are teams that are championship contenders. Look at the Miami Heat, for example. Are they going to be a team that rides Jimmy Butler to another championship run? They're not even in the playoff picture right now. They're 11-16. and 16. So that's really interesting. The Phoenix Suns, I think, are a team that you should watch out for in the future. Another team that people talked about coming into the season is the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, the thing about them is they lost Jeremy Grant. They lost a couple of role players, and role players are important. I think another MVP candidate would be Nikola Jokic, but you're missing some of those role players. You're not going to go far in the playoffs. It's really going to hurt come playoff time. Another fun young team 
is the New York Knicks. And I got a lot to say about this. The Knicks are in a position that they were in pre-Melo. A lot of people talked about how they traded away their whole future for Carmelo Anthony, and they shouldn't have done it. They were building a young team. Although, you get a superstar like Melo, I go for it every time. Now you have Knicks fans going, oh, let's sell high on Julius Randle. Let's get Zach Levine. Let's give away some of Mitchell Robinson for Andre Drummond and RJ Barrett and picks for whoever. Stop it, Knicks fans. You're in the perfect position. You're young, you're competitive, you're relevant, you're fun, and you have all your draft picks and you're only building. You have a young core that you're building on. Maybe you found a guy who can center that young core in Julius Randle who's having an absolutely insane career season. If the Knicks make the playoffs as a four or five seed, he's arguably an MVP candidate. He's been that good. Why don't we just sit back and relax and enjoy what the Knicks have been doing? Stop looking for the next move. They finally got back to the place where they have all their picks. They have more picks than all their picks. And they're young and talented and fun. Let's build on that. Tom Thibodeau has done an incredible job. A job that no one would have expected from Tom Thibodeau or this Knicks team. People would have thought they wouldn't have won 14 games all season. And they already have 14 wins. They're going for 500 tonight against Orlando. I hope they get it. When the Garden fans come back next week, the place is going to erupt. The New York Knicks crowd will love this team. They already do. Once they see them in person, it's going to be crazy. And the Knicks can ride that all the way to a playoff appearance. I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back with some more NBA talk. By the way, I don't know if I'm getting older, but on Sundays, I like to watch football in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon when the football season is going on. For some reason, the NBA, they start their Sunday showcase at like 8.25 p.m. and the second game is at like 10.30 p.m. That's enough, NBA. We need to move it up to 6 o'clock and be done by 11. Why on a Sunday is a game that's supposed to be your showcase game going till 1 o'clock in the morning? Even if you start at 6 p.m., it would only be 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the West Coast. It's the winter. Everyone wants to be inside afternoon, evening anyway. I don't understand. So just tip to ESPN. Let's get into some other NBA topics. An interesting development that's happened in the NBA over the last couple of days is specifically with two teams and two players being benched because the teams are trying to move them. That's Andre Drummond with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Blake Griffin with the Detroit Pistons. Now, Draymond Green had something to say about that, and I'm going to play that real quick. To watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline then go to the back and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bullshit. Because when James Harden asked for a trade, and essentially dogged it. I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for wanting to go to a different team, and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy, and then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet, we're to stay professional. 
at some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you, and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond is getting traded publicly, and we're looking to trade him publicly, and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? Do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, oh, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can. It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, oh, man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow. A couple of points. First of all, Draymond Green brings up a compelling argument. And I talk about this all the time, how you know I sometimes bash the players, but I try and see the player's side a little bit more. And with Draymond Green, it's interesting because he talks about the players, and he's coming from a player's perspective. He's trying to protect his players. He's one of the union guys. I understand all of that. And he's pretty convincing, right? Like You hear him talking, you're like, damn, he's right. At the same time, he came out and said what James Harden did was wrong. And that also kind of makes him a little bit more compelling to the fans and to the media. So he's not saying that every situation is the same. But his argument is interesting. His argument essentially is that how can teams put guys on the trade block, put it out publicly, these guys were trading them, then bench them and say, look, we're trying to move you. But a player can't request a trade. Now here's the thing. When these teams do that, they're trying to get the players to a better spot. Obviously, they're trying to better their team because they're not at championship contender or even a playoff contender they're not going to be winning now so they want to get these good players into a position that will be better for the players now is it better for the teams also a hundred percent it's better for the teams are the teams doing it with the players best interest in mind maybe not but they're benching them so they don't get hurt before they can get them to a better situation why does andre drummond want to put up a double double every night 15 points and 15 boards just to sit in last place in the Eastern Conference. He should want to get to a place like Milwaukee. He should want to get to a place like Boston. Why wouldn't you? So while the Cleveland Cavaliers are publicly saying, we are trading this guy, it's not because they don't want him. It's not because they don't like him. It's not because they disrespect him. They're trying to get the player to the best situation for him. That's something good for Andre Drummond. Is it a perfect system? No, it's broken. Does Blake Griffin want to be sitting on the bench? Is it a bad look? Does Anthony Davis want to get fined? Does Boogie Cousins want to find out in an All-Star game, hey, you've been traded in an interview? No, but if you ask Boogie Cousins how he felt about the way James Harden treated him, treated the other players, treated the franchise, and treated 
the fans of that franchise and he asked him which one was worse because he was in both situations, I bet you Boogie Cousins would say, yeah, it was pretty bad what James Harden did. That was way less professional. That is worse. Listen, NBA teams, I get it. They try and control everyone. But at the end of the day, the players do get moved when they ask to get moved. No one really bashed Anthony Davis so much when he wanted to go to the Lakers. They understood it. But James Harden is not the same situation. And I understand Draymond Green trying to protect the players. And if the team did that, if the team went out in the public and said, this player is terrible and he's doing all these things, and they bashed the player publicly, and they just did totally not wrong by the player, said, we're not paying you anymore or something. That would be the equivalent of what James Harden did because they're trying to get him to a better situation. Listen, the team tried to put a good situation about around James Harden. They tried so many times to put a great situation around James Harden, whether it was Dwight Howard, whether it was Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, or this year. And he was out of shape. He was risking other players by bringing COVID into the locker room. It is not the same thing at all, what he did, and what now the Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons are doing to try and better their teams. And find a better situation for Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. So I understand where Draymond Green is coming from. And I appreciate him coming out and being aware and trying to have a voice for the players while also trying to reprimand a player like James Harden. And I think that's great that he does that. He's got his head on straight. But you do have to understand the difference between these two things. And all the media, the mainstream media coming out and just agreeing with Draymond Green because he's a player and turning it into maybe a race thing or turning it into something with the owners versus the players. It's not that. And he has every right to say that and to say how he feels and he's entitled to his opinion. And I don't think his opinion is necessarily wrong. I think it's just a little bit misguided and I'm just trying to make him understand the other side of the coin. If you have been hearing these things from Draymond Green the last couple of days, that's the other side of the argument that at the, same t- at the same time, while they're trying to better their team, they are doing the best by the player. All right, I just want to talk about that situation for a second. In the NBA, though, back to the fun of the NBA, it's going to be really fun. What we should, we should be looking for over the next couple of months, over the next couple of weeks, and this is what I'm going to be coming on and talking about, is those teams, do they find an identity like the Phoenix Suns or the Warriors or my Knicks or any of these teams? Can the Sixers keep it up? Are they legit? What happens to the Milwaukee Bucks? Do they come in here and all of a sudden start impressing? Because they've been extremely underwhelming this season. Or is it just going to be the Nets and the Lakers and whoever's healthier is going to win? That's the question. That's the big question that I would say going into the next couple weeks of the NBA season. Now, the MVP story is fun. Jokic, Embiid, LeBron, Steph. But let's not forget Julius Randle. And these Julius Randle numbers, I know. People are probably saying, you're nuts. You're crazy. He should definitely be an all-star. The all-star game voting concluded yesterday. But the dude's an all-star. I mean, you look at these numbers. He's got more points per game than Anthony Davis, more rebounds than Joel Embiid, a higher three-point percentage than Damian Lillard. Those are incredible. And he's carried a team that was just so bad last year. Into a playoff spot. He's got more assists than Drew Holiday or Donovan Mitchell per game. People need to start realizing how good Julius Randle has been. And if you watch him every night on a nightly basis, he carries this team. The whole team revolves around him. 
He's played more minutes than anyone in the NBA. That's an MVP. So I know it's not the MVP that people refer to as MVP, the best player in the league. No, he's not the best player in the league, but he's been the most valuable to his team. So Knicks fans, don't trade him. And as far as other people, he should definitely be in the All-Star game. And he should at least get a couple MVP votes. What's going to happen with the Boston Celtics is also interesting. Are they going to pull it together with Tatum and Brown? Is that enough to be a championship contender? Do they look to get another star either on the wing or down low? And a couple of things I wanted to bring up because today is the first day of pitchers and catchers. I want to talk about the Yankees for one second. I know I always talk about the Yankees, but I'm going to say this one last thing and then I'll be done and that'll be the podcast. But I was pretty down on the Yankees coming into this season. I said this team won't be fun either way because they're expected to win. And if they don't win, then they won't be fun. If they do win, then that'll be what's expected. But there's something that can make it fun if they get some personality. Well, they might have just done that. They got a left-handed bat in Derek Dietrich, who might be that guy who can spark this team into becoming a really fun team. The dude has personality. He's a left-handed power bat, and he could be perfect for this Yankees lineup. That's all I got to say. I'm happy they signed him. I hope he makes the team. I'll see you next week or later this week. I have a couple of things planned. We're just trying to work out when I can put them out. That's all I got for now. See ya.
Bridget King. Go- 